Phantomaniacs, welcome to a bonus episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery, including the hip-hop music that the kids are listening to these days. That's right, this is not your regularly scheduled episode. This is a special episode that we had to put together because we have a very special guest, and that is Word Burglar. So, no normal intro. Uh, that'll come on Monday's Valentine's Day episode, so tune in on Monday. For right now, it's time to sit down and talk to the man known as Word Burglar. Please, don't be heroes. All we want is the MacGuffin device. What's a MacGuffin device? Top secret, Suave. <laughs> so you don't know either. style rarer than a left-handed snake and my pencil got potential like a fresh can of paint get it straight the paper stock is heavyweight right so fly i make a page levitate savannah to santa fe indiana to tampa bay demanding they play all the way from canada a can't stand a fake Robocop 3 Insulting the original, no drop from me Concerts and clubs to the Comic-Con floors Opinions are like assholes, I don't want yours The job's taken, stop applying, homie Get live like Jay-Z before Hawaiian Sophie If rhymes were football, I'd have a Heisman Trophy The best you ever did was be high in Sophie's You lying, bro, please, I'm hi-fi, Dolby, you know me Knock a beat on ice like Kai Domi Love what you do, it helps prevent rage Turn haters into a Facebook event page, what? Hey, yo, guess who done it? You couldn't say nothing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I had to take a little break from listening to Donnie Benet when I found out that the man responsible for Welcome to Cobra Island was putting out another LP, and it was well worth it to take that little break. Let's welcome to the Needless Thing podcast, the MC who rhymes his business and has all the replicable skills, Word Burglar. Welcome to the show. Oh, wow. Thank you, Dave. This is amazing. I'm honored to be here. And for the listeners at home, I'm just, I'm going to spend the whole podcast staring at all your action figures in the background. <laughs> so, well, so, sometimes I'll have like the little, you know, how the Zoom can do the background with it, does the weird composite of you in front of something. Sometimes I do that, but this is like, a, this is a good icebreaker. This is, oh, okay. This guy, I see what he's all about. It puts it's it right a- up on the screen. I feel like I'm just hanging at my friend's house who's got like the best collection. And uh, maybe you've got extra, you know, you got a double toll booth that you don't want. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's the funny thing. Before we started recording, I was talking about like how vintage it kind of sucked vintage GI Joe. It sucked me back in. And because of losing my childhood collection in accumulating what I've got, I do have extras. I do have doubles and I can't bear to part with them. Cause I'm like, I can't, I just can't let Joe's go. It's, it's, <laughs> it's too emotional. I'm invested. Uh, before we get too much further, we got to, we'll mention it a couple of times during the interview, but right out of the gate, we got to talk about the new LP you've got coming out, the MacGuffin device. Uh, tell us where the listeners can check it out, what we're doing here. 
Thank you. Well, yeah, if you go to wordburglar.com, we've got it right on the first thing you see there right now. The MacGuffin device is a vinyl collection of 14 songs of mine that I've never put out on vinyl. And, you know, I only have I have a small amount of vinyl out in existence right now, a couple of 45s, like seven inch singles and the full length Cobra Island, which was our first uh, crowdfunded vinyl, which we did uh, about a year ago. And uh, I was really excited to get that album out. If people haven't heard it, welcome to Cobra Island. Uh, it's inspired by uh, my love of sectors. And um... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up sectors because I had their creator, Tim Clark, on the show. He's fantastic. He created sectors and boggles. Yeah. Amazing. I love all those puppety oddballs. They're yeah, yeah, the weird stuff from the 80s, the gross out toys and stuff. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, you put them on your. I was telling somebody about them. I was like, you put it on your hand, and like even bog, like boglins feel felt weird. Like when you put your hand in. I, yeah, I say feel as if I like feel a boglin every day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. They're um, different <laughs> from anything else you might feel. They're very bogliny. Yeah, like what is that? It's a strange, like hybrid, rubbery PVC. I don't know what that material well, is. Back in the back in the eighties, it was a kind of a latexy foam rubber type stuff. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, yeah, yeah. you know, back, back then they weren't making these toys to last. They didn't think about like Joe's being the ABS plastic. That's going to get brittle over time or the Boglins, uh, you know, kind of like the ma- uh, masks and stuff they use in movies. It, it decays over time because back then they didn't care. These kids are going to have this for a year and throw it away. But now uh, he's making Boglins again, and they're made of a much tougher, sturdier material that feels completely different from the original ones it's not quite as foamy but it's it's wild how different it is making toys now and like these new o-ring joes are made of different materials because they're made to last yeah well they're great and we were just saying before we started recording like the new o-rings right now i i'm i've just got the snake eyes and storm shadow and they're phenomenal and i hope as much as I want to see reissues, I want to see new characters, right? Yeah. Like the way Super 7 is doing like a Quinn, like, you know, the Super 7 stuff is super fun. And, yeah. but I'm like, I got G.I. Joe's because they can move more than my Star Wars guys. <laughs> you know, it was I the can't same. go back. I can't go back to five points of articulation. I said the same thing. And then I saw them in stores on the pegs and I've bought like everyone that I've seen. Oh, yeah. They're so, dude. They're just so fun to look at, like That's the design bad. of them. And I totally get the people who are like, no, I can't do five. Because I, I was the same way. I started with Star Wars. And part of the appeal of Joe to me was the the elbows and the knees and the hips moving differently. And it, like they were just completely superior toys. But what Super 7's doing tugs at my nostalgia so hard. Because I love the comics. I love the cartoon. And their stuff is straight out of that. And you're not going to see like that Game Master drone probably coming from Hasbro. I mean, maybe, but. Exactly. Yeah. And the Games Master, I sampled that, like the Baroness from that episode years ago. I have an album called Burglaritis and there we used a sample because I love that episode. And that that's a great example. I mean, we could just go on and on about all this stuff. But yeah, when the Sunbow and like that was such a great like when they injected humor, but like you saw these sides of people's personality, like the characters, I'm saying people like they were real, real people, but like Flint and Baroness, I mean, like they the were personalities the time, in that. Right. Yeah. And they uh, everyone was just bigger and 
like Baroness and Cobra Commander and like the way they play off each other in that episode. So anyways, yes, that tugged at my nostalgia strings. Um, well, seeing and- that they're doing now they haven't done the actual games master though, have they? But I mean, the, the I, and I think that's kind of the fun of it with Super 7, because those guys, they're us. They know what they're doing. They know who they're marketing to. So like to throw the drone out first, they know like, oh, my gosh, they're doing this. Well, I guess we'll get the Games Master. It's it's going to happen like they yeah. they're very good at that kind of teasing uh salesmanship i guess it is yeah with blind woodsman i guess anything is on the table now (laughs) you know what i love so much about that is it just there was no like six month pre-order it just they were like oh by the way we're making this and you can buy it right now and a a couple days later i I had the thing in my hands it was beautiful I, i mean i i like i said they're us they know every once in a while it's nice same thing with the uh the fun school inspired snake eyes in the reaction line, the blue one, same thing. The day they announced that I went to a store and they had it. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. They've definitely got some kind of uh, future Cobra <laughs> device that's uh, <laughs> able to, able to do that or play with our minds and be like, Oh yeah, we just told you about it today, but they actually told us, us about it six months ago. And it wouldn't surprise today. me that they put brainwave <laughs> scanners in all of our phones. I mean, probably, probably, but, but who needs that? Um, yeah. So I got a record coming out. It's called the MacGuffin device. We're funding it. I'm super excited <laughs> about it. I'll just do a quick pitch. It's uh 14 jams, old school hip hop infused with all the things I love, nerdy passions, uh, touching on nostalgia, video games, the days of renting movies, GI Joe, comic books, Conan, He-Man, um, little Dungeons and Dragons uh, hints in there. Of course, like a lot of old school hip hop stuff. Uh, I take all the music for anyone who's not heard my stuff before. I'm very much influenced by old school hip hop of the eighties and nineties. Like that's like my pocket and what I love. And so when I work with uh, other producers, we, you know, creating this, that sound and that style of rapping is what I love and what I've always worked on. And then the themes are all, you know, just things that I love and uh, whether it's food or action figures or hockey or whatever it, the case may be. And um, yeah, the MacGuffin device is artwork is by Brian Sauer. This is brand new artwork that uh, is exclusive to this vinyl. Um, we've got a brand new remix on there uh, for a song I did called damage control with esoteric. Who's a rapper from Boston and the uh, damage control for any comic book heads out there know that they're the people that clean up after uh, the Marvel superheroes. And uh, I was really into damage control as a kid. I always like that concept of like, oh yeah, these are just the guys that are just like, you know, they're the hardworking guys that just have to come in and deal, you know, when, you know, Thor smashes up a bridge or something, right? Galactus sits on your office. They've got to come in and uh, take care of things. So um, yeah, so we're doing it. We're funding it now on Bandcamp. You can find the link on wordburglar.com. And uh, as of this recording, I think there's about 23 days left to go. We're almost at our goal. And if you support, there's a few different reward tiers. Uh, you can get, uh, we've got a mix CD that we're doing, like an old school burned mix CD that I'm like burning on my actual laptop. And we've got all with a bunch of like cool exclusives and sort of rarities. And it's going to be, you know, like a fun mixtape hosted by me. And uh, yeah, the vinyl's blue. 
and it looks really nice and all the lyrics are going to be included so you can rhyme along and uh yeah you can you get a digital copy of the album as well so you can you can listen to it before you get the vinyl but um yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, other than that, let's just talk G.I. Joe. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of the digital copy, that's what I did today on the way into work and, and on the way home, uh, listened to it two and a half times. And it, it's amazing because I've been doing this podcast for nine years now. And if it had a soundtrack, it would be this collection of music. It's so perfect. Uh, the The one that really kicked in was rental patient uh we have talked so many times on the show uh at live panels whatever about that vhs era about picking things purely based on the cover art which is sometimes not even accurate (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah. yeah and also not having that immediate access to just anything that you wanted to watch. Like that was a key of that era. What, you know, now we watch whatever we want, whenever we want to watch it, you've got four different versions of star Wars. You can go to your shelf or your, you know, streaming box or whatever and watch. But back then, if you want to watch star Wars or WCW fall brawl or whatever, you had to go to the video store and rent it. And it was a completely different concept and just when that song kicked in i was like man this is ooh wow this is i'm feeling a lot from this music and then on top of that like when i was a kid getting into hip-hop like one of the magical things about hip-hop is that's how you discover other music and this is a whole different thing because you know listening to De La Soul or the Beastie Boys or whatever back in the day, you'd hear something, you'd be like, oh, I wonder what that was. You go to the liner notes and you figure out, you know, which track they were sampling from. But with this, I hear things and it's exciting because I'm like, oh, I know what that is. I know where that came from, which was part of why I loved Welcome to Cobra Island so much. I, I wish... You could like see in my brain how much that album blew me away the first time I put it on the turntable over there because using the samples of the music from the show, the the way that you respected the comics and the cartoon and wove them both together because a lot of people don't love both. A lot of people don't, you know, recognize both. How what do the notes in your phone look like? Because they have to be insane. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny when I made welcome to Cobra Island, that really was just a lifetime of love and passion and, uh, obsession. We'll say it with, with Joe and just always being that one person who was like, GI Joe's the best. Like I, I always loved it. I, you know, grew up around it. You know, I was lucky. I had a lot of older cousins and older kids in my neighborhood too, who would like, you know, school me on stuff. Right. And I'd always be hanging around older kids. And I remember like, you know, first, you know, the, some older kids at school be like, oh yeah, you know, these Joes, but have you ever seen these ones and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was like right in that pocket of the eighties where, you know, I got my first Joes and it was like, it never stopped. Like all through my childhood from like grunt and tripwire, Recondo, all the way up to the the bitter end to the aliens and uh and i never <laughs> i never stopped and you you touched on something earlier 
you know, before the internet, we didn't know. You didn't know when new Joes came out. Maybe no. you happened to be at the mall or the drugstore with your mom and like, I'd see like some new Joe or you'd see an ad. I remember seeing ads for the new figures come out and then there'd just be like a quick glimpse and you'd see somebody who's like, wait, who's that purple guy? Or who's this guy? And who's, and you know, there's just the magic of that line and all the creators. And so, yeah, I have a reverence and, uh, and a love and I appreciate all the creativity and thought that went into every aspect of the, uh, a real American hero line and the, from the figures to the file cards and the comics and the cartoons, right. And existing them. And I always love Sunbow, but I obviously am crazy about the Larry Hama Marvel. Run, yeah. Uh, which is just phenomenal to this day. I'll tell anyone if you haven't read it, whether you're into GI Joe or not, and maybe like you towards the end of the run, like I remember going to a comic shop when I was pretty young and it was like towards the end of the run, maybe Joe was like, around the 120s or something. And the shop, the clerk at the comic store, you know, I was getting my comics and he was ringing me in. He's looking at my comics. You know, I'm getting Spider-Man and Batman and whatever, Justice League and G.I. Joe. And he's like, oh, G.I. Joe. Yeah, I used to read this when it didn't suck. I was like, well, what do you mean? It's still awesome. And of course, we know that that like there's a big drop off in the Marvel run where you can pick parts and you can like almost like as you're reading, you know, when there's a shift change and people are like, okay, but yeah, I, you know, throughout that whole run, there's a couple weak spots, I think towards the end and like 126, I always say is like that issue with Firefly and they reveal that's kind of like, oh, that's when I feel like it's a really solid run up till there with one or two little hiccups. And then that last chunk is a bit of like, What's going on? Hasbro doesn't know if they're canceling the line. You know, I think Larry's everybody knew it was much. winding yeah. down and, and wasn't the center of attention that it used to be. So, I, I mean, I get it. These th- It's entropy. These things happen. Yeah, but we get some great issues towards the run. And uh, see, I, t- I told you we'd be going way off. But uh, <laughs> just to answer your question, I mean, Joe was just always like, I love the cartoon and I'll defend Cobra Law. But Cobra Law doesn't belong in the Larry Hama verse. Right. But right. I love Cobra Law in the Sunbow universe yep. because if you accept everything else that goes on, fatal fluffies, flu yes. worms, um, yes. you know, shrink rays, uh, you the, the amoeba, it, uh, the giant amoeba. Yeah. The yeah. de aging thing when they like the kid, low light and Lady J become kids, yes. you know, mainframe dating, like it could go on. Like it's amazing. But if you accept all of that, why is Cobra Law? I never Why is understood. that a bridge too far? Yeah. <laughs> and like being a comic book kid too, like having mutants and stuff and aliens, like this is all like really cool. And especially being a kid, when I first saw that Cobra Law movie, you, you know, I still get chills thinking about how like my brain like exploded. And I was yes. like, everything I know is a lie. Wait, what do you mean? Cobra Commander's not the like top like there's something else more sinister behind it and it's this weird monsters and they're going to mutate everybody and you watch that movie today it's amazing so anyways i love all that but how did how does it all fit together and that was how like welcome to cobra island came together and i was like how do i take all these things and make it work and you know be respectful do give snake eyes like this is his due and um like one last thing, because I will go on about this forever if you let me. <laughs> no, that's that is not a problem at all. Believe me, that's what we do here. Um, 
the thanks, man. Um, you know, I saw the first G.I. Joe, the live action movie. And this is what I tell people. And I, and I was working at a comic shop at the time and I got free passes and we went to the premiere and it was this huge night. And everyone kind of knew I was the G.I. Joe guy, if you will, like at the shop, like people were like, oh, that's, you know, SJ's still like carrying the flame for Joe. He's still like, <laughs> you know, fighting for freedom wherever there's trouble. That's him. Like, talk to this guy. And uh, we saw that movie and I wasn't that into it. You know, I don't want to hate whatever yeah. if people like that movie is great but it, it wasn't like what i thought it could be and um i remember afterwards and maybe it's because i worked in a comic shop like the biggest comic shop in toronto where you know we had a movie theater around the corner so everyone would come see the movies oh, and they come to the comic shop and like yeah yeah we had to, you know it was like you had to see the movie like the day it opened or the day before it opened or Otherwise, somebody was going to come in and ruin it you'd be spoiled on your lunch break on Friday, right? Someone would see the matinee and you'd be like, oh man, like (laughs) anyways, there was all this, you know, negativity around Joe at the time. And people were like, this is whack. Why do you like GI Joe? And I was like, you know, you know why I like GI Joe? This, 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 you know, you know what? I'm just going to rap about why I love GI Joe so much. And I'd have always worked GI Joe into my rhymes and always like going back ever since I was a kid, because it's something I, I care about. And then uh, I'd always wanted to do like a Snake Eyes song. And then it just started growing. And the Rap Viper song came and all these other tracks. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that it was like, you know, I had no idea who was going to hear it. I just was really doing it for myself and my friends. And to also be like, hey, look, you think G.I. Joe sucks? Well, it doesn't. And here's why. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of like if I had the reins to do what I wanted with a G.I. Joe movie or something, this is how I would pull all my favorite elements from the toys and the comics and the cartoons, the file cards, weird, obscure things, even the live action movie. I tried to pull in like one or two little subtle nods that maybe people might pick up on. And I was like, this is how it all exists in my world. Because being, you know, being into comics, you read a Spider-Man comic or something and there's a million Spidey comics out there. Yeah. So when you read one, where does it fit? What is it? It's like, all that matters is that one thing you're reading right now. This is spy. That's how I look at it. It's like, I could get crazy about continuity or errors or say Spidey would never do this. or This doesn't happen. Or Spidey should be 75 years old by now. Why is he teaching? Right, right. You know, like you have to just like, I think as like being into this stuff, um, you know, these needless things, if you will. Right. You know, you just, you have to like, remember where, what you, where the fun is and what you love and all this stuff. And uh, anyways, that's a big, long, long thing. But but that's exactly it. It's about finding the fun because the, the 2009 Joe movie, it's not the movie I would have made. It's probably not the movie most Joe fans would have made, but you get a a Scotsman Destro. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably you the get, best part of the movie and Zartan. Yeah. 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 Dude, Arnold Vosloo is Zartan. Perfect. Yeah. Like amazing. Yeah. That for me, there's enough there that I can say, you know what? This part's they're they're using giant drill vehicles to drill into G.I. <laughs> Joe headquarters. Come on. At the end, there's a huge underwater base and a submarine battle. Like, yeah, overall, the movie doesn't nail it, but dude, there's some stuff in there that you never would have thought we'd see in live action on the screen. Some, some of like 
the the wackiest stuff from the or the, maybe not the wackiest but the most like tropey stuff from the cartoons made it into that movie and i i gotta appreciate it for that oh for sure and it was that time before the big marvel movies you know it really yeah like, yeah when it, like so people still didn't know that you could like honor the original stuff while putting it into a modern thing like you know yeah there's I think those movies, like, there's a lot of great ideas in there. They're just, they don't come together well. Well, and they're they're hampered by the studio's idea of, well, we want to use this, but we've got to make it palatable to the general audience. And like you said, this is pre-MCU. It was, a, it was a, even though it was, well, 2009, 13 years ago now, which I don't really it's like crazy. thinking about, but... Yeah. It was a different era of film. If we started with a clean slate now and and had the right you know person at the head of it, I think we could get a Joe movie that really did stick to the core of, of what Joe is. But we've we've got a, one more thing I wanted to mention, GI Joe wise, because we're talking about the MacGuffin device. So I'm listening to this and just really feeling this album, and then right in the middle of it, we get a song about worlds without end blew my mind because i mean <laughs> one of i think the the most highly regarded and popular well pairs of gi joe episodes when you're a kid mind-blowing because some members of the joe team don't come back it actually you know for all the time as comic book fans as cartoon fans or whatever as often as we see this changes everything and it really doesn't this did uh and it happened in the comic a good bit because Larry Hama was told to cycle out characters. Uh, but for it to happen in the cartoon and for us to see, like, we're never going to see these guys again because they're staying in this alternate dimension, which, by the way, the alternate dimension where Cobra Commander is president and essentially rules the world, like, really deep, big stuff for a kid to be taken in back in the day. And then, so this pops up. And then... Right after that, we get into samples from Once Upon a Joe, one of the funniest episodes of Real American Hero. I'll tell you right now, we were talking about Super 7. If Super 7 wanted to do figures of frog face, leatherhead, and ship shape, I'm there. Absolutely. Man. I'm there. Well, clearly, you're the guy that this album was meant for. So, <laughs> I, I, Dude, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But I want to I get back to when... Because all of the, you know, not just the samples, but the turns of phrase and and some of the things that you drop in the tracks, like, is, is, do you, what's your method of sort of organizing? Like you see, if you're sitting there watching a, a cartoon, you're like, oh, that sounded pretty cool. That was a cool sound effect. Or I like the way that she, that character, the way that she dropped that line was really cool. Like. Do you pause and record it right there so you remember it? Do you just make a note? Like, what's your process of keeping track of your pop culture stuff? Uh, I kind of just remember things, and they no come to way. me at the weirdest. They'll come to me at the weirdest times, man. Like, I I don't. Sometimes I'll hear something, I'll be like, I got to use that for something one day, and I forget about it, or I will, like, maybe, yeah, maybe make, make a note somewhere, like, oh, go back and watch this episode of Six Feet Under because there's they're at a funeral and the guy makes an oddball comment that actually 
sounds like the perfect intro for this song I'm writing. And to be honest, that's a true thing. And I can't remember what episode of Six Feet Under that is. But like years ago, I remember, you know, my wife and I were, were binging that show. And I remember there was one episode and this guy said something. It's like, what? I, I got to write. And so one day that'll come to me and I'll figure it out and put it all together. But, you know, with something like the MacGuffin device and, you know, you're talking about Once Upon a Joe, obviously Worlds Without End is my favorite two-parter and G.I. Joe. It's so incredible. And and I get even you telling it back to me, which is it's a show I know so well. You know, I still get those goosebumps from being a kid and watching it at like six yeah. in the morning before school and only catching like part two and like get it's out of order. And then you hope you catch the other part, you know, months later and like, I miss this and whatever. And uh, that stuck with me. And, you know, shout out the, the writers. I was just talking about this, you know, like Marv Wolfman and Steve Gerber and all these incredible, yeah. like groundbreaking comic book creators who got recruited by Sumbo through like the Marvel productions and everything. And they all worked with Flint Dill and everybody who was writing those cartoons at the time. And they, that whole era, like the Sunbow, they need to do a documentary on Sunbow and how that like for one pocket in time, they just cranked out the best cartoons of that era that we t- still talk about to this day right like well and they still hold up like that yeah. and i'll because i'll watch and enjoy plenty of things from the 80s like oh, they're fun but when i start watching joe cartoons i just sit there and i'll watch because i got uh i've got that footlocker that rhino put out years ago that has Same. all of the episodes and if I put one in, I'm watching like six. There's no, <laughs> there's no like, I, unless true. we're doing a review on Audible Interlude, like, and I can only watch the one because I've got to keep everything straight in my head. Like, if I'm watching one, I'm watching a bunch it, because they just they flow. They're so good. The characters are so charming, and the storytelling as it keeps it simple. But at the same time, they're layers to these characters, like you were saying. Well, it, the world to go back to worlds without end to find out about this relationship between Baroness and this alternate universe stealer. Again, mind blowing, and and what a what an interesting way, like what an interesting character to use to establish him at the beginning of this episode as the guy who's who's had it, he's fed up with it. And and really to have that commentary about war in a children's cartoon. And that's the other thing is that they were embedding so many and, and you know, in, in a way that fit into a cartoon, but embedding so many important morals and life lessons into that show beyond just the knowing is half the battle stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's like, what's the point, right? I think that may even yeah. be one of his like lines. He's like, it, it is, it is. They, yeah. they beat us. We beat them over and over again. What's the point of it all? I mean, he's, it's, it's heavy, man. Like yeah. it, it really is. And, and, you know, again, kudos to them for, for bringing that stuff to us. Yeah. So we got to talk about, obviously your pop culture influences are, are here. They're on, on your sleeve, on the sleeve, whatever. <laughs> Uh, literally on my shirt. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but we got to talk about your hip hop influences as well. Sure. Uh, when when did you discover this unique singular form of expression? Like, where did it start uh, start for you? Well, really young. You know, I I feel like maybe grade two or grade three is when I first got exposed. I can't 
quite remember whatever the first thing was, but I loved Run DMC, Fresh Prince, LL Cool J. I had a Fat Boys record. Um, you know, again, like my cousin introduced me to Ice Cube, you know, some kids on my street introduced me to Public Enemy. Like I just got obsessed with all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, being in that boom, like growing, just being a kid and like, you know, and it's the late 80s, early 90s as like everything is like, rap is just exploding and uh i just loved it and um there's a college radio show in uh, my hometown where i grew up in halifax nova scotia on the east coast for anybody uh keeping track and they it was called the basement and the the host actually went on to be a rapper named buck 65 that some people may have heard of and Buck 65 used to play all these great underground hip hop records and being a kid, like just listening on my radio, I would dub these radio shows onto cassette. And then I've got an instant two hour mixtape of like crazy underground hip hop Of course, you know, bringing in the nineties introduced me to Nas and Wu-Tang Clan and beat nuts and Jay Rude the damage. And just like, I could just name rap all day. And I just loved it all. I love the beats. I love the creativity, the writing, the personalities, the storytelling. You can go from a great, you know, party jam to something political and really poignant to just some hilarious story to just real street life stuff to, you know, anything and the wordplay and punchlines. And like, I couldn't under, I was like, how do they do this? How do they, how are they saying these words? How are they making I, things rhyme? And it's I just, still, I still to this day <laughs> wonder that. Yeah. And I just listened and, and, you know, would just rap and I'd rap to myself. I'd rap with my friends. I'd just like be in my room rapping along to Fresh Prince or LL Cool J or something. And I just would always do it. And I just kind of never stopped doing it. And I never thought I'm going to be a rapper and I'm just going to, I was just like, I just never stopped doing it and uh, i'm still trying to get good at it <laughs> <laughs> well that's the you thing know? though is no matter what it is you're doing if it's the thing you're passionate about and the thing that you love you really are like i think until the day you die always trying to get better at it because that's that's the difference between the the thing you love and the thing that you pour your soul into and the day job yeah yeah man so uh you know, and then I just would rap about stuff I, I liked and just, you know, keeping it real, you know, being like a nerdy kid from Halifax, Nova Scotia, I just wanted to rap and just like, keep it as real. And it's, you know, to me, like, you know, my favorite rappers were all just literally keeping it real, which is a cliched expression, but it's like, they were just telling it like it is, but you can go to different places. You can get creative, like what RZA did with all the Wu-Tang stuff and like, you know, incorporating all the Kung Fu movies or, you know, cool. Keith is another one of my favorite rappers. Oh yeah. Just yeah. like, like, oh yeah. And I mean, I had the opportunity to work with cool Keith on a track, which was just like, Oh my gosh. Know, crazy. Yeah. It's uh, it's on space first, uh, which is an album that maybe people listening might be into as well, which is all like, uh, you know, some transformers, star Wars, star Trek, uh, oh, okay, type okay. stuff. I got so, you. Um, but, uh, yeah. And anyways, um, yeah. So just like the art always just appealed to me. And of course I love music and just the different beats and being able to, you mean like they just took their favorite part of this song and just looped it and put on some drums and brought in, you know, some record scratches and like, 
this whole beat is just like this, their favorite part of the song. Like, that's what I want to do. And um, so then keeping, you know, obviously with Welcome to Cobra Island, I think it's clear where a lot of uh, the uh, samples <laughs> come from. And uh, I just, you know, those, that music always spoke to me. And, um, and yeah, it just felt so cinematic. So yeah, going back, like, that's a good example. Like those with that music, like that just was so evocative and to me and it just was like laid the foundation for me to tell these stories right so like a letter from snake eyes it's like a little tiny little snippet that we used that unless you really watch a lot of the cartoons you might not be like wait what is that from but like the way timbuktu is a producer on that track flipped it around um you know it's just like it breathed life into this like tiny little moment of the musical sample that i think was just like became so it's like wow it's like gave it more room to breathe yeah because that's if we're gonna get nerdy about music it's like sometimes you hear a part of a song like a jazz record or what disco whatever it may be and there's like one little part and it's like i just want to hear that <laughs> i want to hear that over and over and then rap on it but yeah well that and that's part of the magic of hip-hop is you you may have heard this like uh, tons and tons and tons of artists and especially in the 90s were sampling hall and oats hall pro- maybe i don't know but i would be i would feel comfortable saying hall and oats are probably one of the most sampled acts and you may have heard rich girl a thousand times in your life you probably have but there's this one little part that when you hear it sampled and you're like, wait, that's from Rich Girl. Wait, that is from Rich Girl. Whoa, they picked out this. This isn't what I think of as the main portion of the song. It's not what goes through my head when I think of Rich Girl, but they picked out this one cool little beat from it and then looped it. And now that like it's it's fascinating to me to see that. And actually, did you watch any of the Wu-Tang series on Hulu? Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. My favorite part of the show was when they would do the sequences of Riza figuring the beats out and like slowing things down dude i could have watched that for six hours just if they had just done i I would love to see a documentary about 36 chambers like an actual documentary i um first time ever i got that album on vinyl i'd never heard it on vinyl before uh and oh gosh i think it was vinyl me please one of the sort of boutique like we put out our fancy gold speckled edition of this album whatever uh so i got it got to oh yeah i love that stuff too you know you don't have to whatever it's like i'm I'm with you man i I hear i'm I'm such a sucker for gimmicky like if i if i'm looking online and i'm like okay here's 36 chambers just regular vinyl release you know 180 gram whatever oh but wait this one has a a gold vinyl with stars on it or whatever Oh, I'm going to have to get this one. I just, I can't help myself. So, but I get it. I put it on never because there, there's, and we've talked about this on the show before when we've talked about music. I'm not like an audiophile. I'm not a music snob. I'm not going to claim like my ear can pick up different things from, but listening to a record is a different experience from listening to something digitally or on CD or any other way. One, it's more physical. You have to interact with it. You have to put it on the turntable. You have to get up and flip it over. And it makes 
your brain interact with the music in a different way. Because if you've got, if it's a regular LP, two sides, well, that track that ends the first side and then the track that kicks off side B, those tracks have a completely different significance than if you're just sitting there listening to a CD or a digital stream or whatever, because you're physically involved with them and you're aware of their impact. It's a whole different experience. And that, and that's why I was so excited to talk about the MacGuffin device being an LP because it's going to give you that tactile experience of listening to this music. That's a whole different level. Thank you. Can I just bring you with me everywhere? To be like, <laughs> this is why we put out vinyl. I mean, that's- <laughs> I'll, I'll come out. I'll do the intro. I'll be like, look guys, if you don't get the records, let me explain this to you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why like exactly like, with Cobra Island, it was so important. I was like, well, we're going to have the lyrics on the back. Like I want to make, I want to like, just have people like be involved. Dude, Thank you. I was sitting the whole time. Just like <laughs> what is happening? Follow, dude, rank and file rank and file. I was like, Oh my gosh. He's like recruited an entire battalion of rappers for this <laughs> song. And I'm sitting here like, Oh, Oh man, look, who is this? Uh, it's fantastic. I love the concept of rank and file so much. Thank I absolutely you. nailed it. And I loved that it was kind of, you know, you had the snake eyes stuff, but it was kind of the only Joe centric track on the album. I liked that as well, because this is welcome to Cobra Island and it's a lot of Cobra stuff, which leads me to what's the possibility of a welcome to the pit. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, man, there's a lot out there that I want to do and continue and wrong Ralph Pulaski, you know, and like, obviously MacGuffin device has a little bit of a nod, but um, there is a lot more. There's a lot I wanted to do on Cobra Island as well. And like, again, with Cobra Island, I didn't know, like Fred Brocka was actually the first song. It came out on my album called third burglar, like the year before welcome to Cobra Island came out. And Fred Brocka was kind of me testing the waters. Some people say broke us. Some people say, Brock. I always said, I read it in the comics as Fred Brocka, yeah. Brocka beach. So I think I rap Viper, you know, says Brocka beach. And I've met people who were like, you know, it's Broca. And I'm like, dude, it's whatever it is when you read it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and anything that's, that's written. Like until I hear somebody involved with production pronounce it, it's however you said it when you were a kid. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so that uh, with Cobra Island, it was like, okay, I got Fred Braca. I want to do one Snake Eyes song. Of course, I couldn't keep it all in just one. And we've actually since done a part four to Letter from Snake Eyes. I, I yes. don't know if you've heard that. I've, um, I've got it. It was part of the... Uh, I think you did like a follow-up, like, Hey, if you back this, here's a little bonus track for you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, we're going to have a little thing like that for, uh, for the MacGuffin device as well. We got some fun, fun stuff planned for backers and, uh, yeah. So basically I, I look, I could do, I could do a song about every character and minor character and Joe, I could just go on about comics. There's a lot of songs that I have started. Some have finished, some I want to do and uh, Cobra Island originally came out when I first released it was it was crazy it was 2013 the full album like and still free if anyone want hasn't heard it you can download it for free on Bandcamp I leave it up there on Bandcamp name your price um, for the digital version uh, but basically 2023 which is next year 
it's going to be the 10th anniversary. Mm, mm. So I figure, you know, I got all these things that I've been planning. Might as well try and do something in 2023. So it's hard because it won't be the same as Welcome to Cobra Island, but it'll sure. be. But it'll be, but yeah, welcome to the pit. Uh, that's good. I mean, that could be, you know, that could even <laughs> track. It's good. Or, I mean, or welcome to the chaplain's assistant school. <laughs> you know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Chaplain's assistant motor pool. Um, I will say you'll probably hear from uh, Bongo the balloon bear and uh, a few other. <laughs> oh things. man, because I like that stuff, right? Like, oh, as much I do as, too. You know, like I, like, Captain Min, like all these like obscure little characters that would just pop up and larry would bring them back when you least expect them like the white cl- clown and magda like that storyline like just obs- these cool things like that gulag storyline in like the early 60s with stalker and outback and everybody like that was like a crazy like i could go on um about those comics so so yeah i'm uh Certainly not done. I don't think I'll ever be done making songs inspired by G.I. Joe. For sure. Well, that is excellent but. news. <laughs> Thanks, so, man. Plenty of other things inspire you as well. What are what are some other like of the comics that have like really hit home with you, or, or maybe even just storylines, like stuff that for the listeners to get a sense of what word burglar is, the amalgamation of pop culture, like what kind of other comic stuff. Well, I, uh, I've read, I was mainly a Marvel zombie. I read a lot of DC, you know, growing up, but you know, now I read anything and, and everything. Uh, I mean, I can't even start like working at a comic shop. I, I got a job working at a comic shop in high school, strange adventures in Halifax. And I had already been reading mainly Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, like the big ones. Yeah. And then they you know, working at the comic shop, the owner, Cal, is like now, you know, one of my best friends, he introduced me to so like the underground comics, like Dan Klaus or Evan Dorkin, yeah. um, Adrian Tomine, like all these like Chester Brown, all these just amazing like underground comics that I really got into. But my love of superheroes never went away. So um, I was big on Invincible. You know, when that first came out, I got the first issue and it blew my mind. And it's funny, I was working at the comic shop the day Walking Dead came out and I read it on my lunch and I was like, hey, I'm not that into this. It's like 28 days later, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I would just read it at work. And then by issue seven, I remember being like, oh, this is actually I really like this. So I, my Walking Dead collection starts at issue seven. <laughs> the first six I just read in the store and whoever bought it might have got like a little bit of my sandwich on the com now i was very clean i didn't eat with the comics just kidding um, that's that's wild because i mine is very very similar i wasn't i just wasn't really that i i was a superhero guy i wasn't really into zombies or other comic book stuff at the time and a buddy of mine was like you gotta read walking dead robert kirkman is is brilliant uh, you got to check it out. And I was like, eh, I'll get around to it. And then for my birthday, he gave me the first trade, which I would assume is probably about the first six issues. Yeah, it's for six. Yeah, it was Shane. And I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, he was right. This is amazing. So my collection of single walking dead starts at seven or so <laughs> right around there because I, yeah. at that point I had, because I, I think that first trade had just come out. Mm-hmm. And I had to go get like a few back issues to get caught up. And so, yeah, same thing. I just, 
it just didn't seem like, I, and I love horror movies. I love zombies and stuff. It just wasn't something for some reason that I'd ever wanted to read comics about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but exactly. Man, I, I, it, it got me, man. And, and Robert Kirkman, I mean, I, he's pretty special talent, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously a household name now, but when those were first coming out, Walking Dead, and I knew like Battle Pope, which was a comic he had done prior to that. And like, but Invincible, like to this day, I think it's the best thing he's ever done. Like I've read just about everything he's done since. And I just love that run of Invincible. And I guess I kind of became acquaintances with Ryan Otley like early on when he was, because he would come to conventions and I'd be like the Invincible. I'd be like, yo, I love Invisible Bubba. And he was like so hype, like before this got so right, big and like right. he's a he's an amazing artist um yeah i mean i like i love a lot of the vertigo stuff you know i was really into garth ennis for a while I oh loved, yeah big time uh there's a local artist jeff lemire who's obviously sweet tooth people yeah. probably know now like who, he's done tons of great work so i love sweet tooth you know why the last man i was really into i'm just looking at my shelves like saga's <laughs> back now you know, I love Saga Vision, which by Tom King. If anyone hasn't read that, that miniseries he did, I love that. I haven't read Vision yet, but I did read his Mr. Miracle, which was, dude, blew my mind. I, yeah. And that one I found, I love Mr. Miracle. And maybe like you really need to know your fourth world stuff for that book. I found and like vision, I found a little bit more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also like a huge Avengers nerd. So (laughs) I got everything. So I had very little interaction with the Avengers until the MCU happened. I was, I was strictly Spider-Man and the X-Men and my son will like, cause he's now he's 14 years old. So now he's, the encyclopedia for everything because he's finding all this stuff. We, we watched uh, the invincible, uh, the Amazon series. We, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't read the comics, but we watched the Amazon series and he's like, Oh, this is great. I want to read these comics now. So he's like all of the stuff that I've forgotten over the years. He now knows and he'll ask That's me awesome. things about like the MCU or about like an Avengers character. And every time I'm just like, I, I know you've grown up in, this but i just avengers were not my thing i don't know and he'll ask me something about like moon knight because the moon knight show is is getting ready to come on now and uh he's like oh well in the comics did they do this this and this and i'm like he wasn't one of my guys ask me something about spider-man or or uh archangel or something i can answer that stuff but you know archangel not exactly a (laughs) in, in the movie scene right now yeah. Well, yeah, no. And the, uh, I mean, X-Men, obviously, I mean, just talking about like the stuff, like obviously in the eighties that X-Men and Spidey were the big Marvel yeah. ones and back to GI Joe, GI Joe outsold them both. Which well, is I mean, like, it essentially saved Marvel uh, yeah. from, from what I understand. And that I may be simplifying that a little bit, but that licensing deal was massive for Marvel at the time. Have you read the untold uh, is it the untold story of Marvel comics or untold tale? The Sean Howe book? No, I've not. You seem like a gentle human person <laughs> who would, uh, yeah, that book's amazing. Marvel comics, the untold story. Sean, I'm writing it down right now. Because just based on uh, our, conf- or this is our first time ever meeting you. You know, first time I've ever met you, but I think you dig it because it's got a lot of great, you know, you're wearing a Secret Wars shirt right now for the listeners at home. And, you know, Jim Shooter and his whole 
that whole story. And like, that's where I got a ton of my information was Jim shooter for a few years, had a website where he would do blog entries, kind of recounting his history at Marvel. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause I had, I always knew his name because he was the editor in chief on all the comics I was reading when I was a kid, but I didn't know anything about the guy, Yeah, you know, but to, to find his, and I think it's, it's still out there. It might just be jimshooter.com, But if you Google Jim shooter, it we're all adults. We know how to use the Google, <laughs> uh, but just fascinating him telling these stories. And he's very Frank. Uh, you know, if, if he messed up somewhere, he acknowledges it. If he, maybe wasn't the best in a relationship with a creator or something. He says, you know, I kind of look back and I see like, it's, it's a very frank recollection of those years. And it's fascinating. So that, yeah, I'm, I, I am, it's such a, to look at Marvel as a comic book company and, and the number of times it almost went out of business and just the amazing output. It's, it's a fascinating story. And that would be another great, like biopic, like a Stan Lee biopic. Yeah, I feel like they've talked about doing something like that for years. And of course, you got to follow the Jack Kirby stuff too. And there's some great Jack Kirby books. You know, yeah, yeah. anyone who doesn't know, there's two Moros publishing, like TWO Moros. Yeah. They have a great book about Kirby that just came out. And it's all, well, it came out a couple of years ago, I guess. Pre- I got it. I bought it in New York right before the pandemic. So it's, I guess, about two years old, but it's, it's great. Uh, uh, look up tomorrow's Jack Kirby book. The title. Uh, Kirby and Lee. Nuff, Kirby and Lee stuff said is the name of the book. Oh, and, nice. uh, it's a really deep, deep dive, but it's all Kirby's side of things. And uh, well, it's Kirby and Stan's. stories but uh you know we can't forget kirby's contribution no of course that's a whole other podcast (laughs) well well, and that would make for a compelling film as well to get Mm. you know these two in their relationship uh, like uh oh what was the i can't even remember it moving on moving on yeah Uh, see yeah so we've got a few rabbit holes that we can uh i I know right well (laughs) we've gotta we gotta wind things down uh, before we do, though, one more time, uh, you got to tell us where we can find, where we can order, where we can back the MacGuffin device LP. Because this is, like I said, it's Im- it's important to me to hear things on vinyl if I can. It's a totally different way of interacting. And so I think this is an important thing. I mean, it's it's an artist. It's huge for you because it creates a new avenue of listener because now somebody that may not be into things as digitally is like, Oh, let's check out this new hip hop album on vinyl. Again, looking for that experience for this music. It's, it's a big deal. So where can we do this? Yeah. And just to your point, that's a big thing. I mean, you mentioned a few songs earlier, like rental patient has been around for a few years. Like a lot of these songs have come out, but I feel like in some cases, some people hear them, some people don't hear them. And then like now giving it life on vinyl is giving a chance for people to hear it. And it was actually featured in uh, the last blockbuster on Netflix, not to, uh, to brag, but oh we, no, it, that's awesome though. Yeah. So it got, we got in there just on, uh, you can just hear the beat by uh, beat Mason and, um, yeah, so keen-eyed listeners, keen-eared, eagle-eared listeners. I don't know, I'll stop this. <laughs> um, but yeah, the MacGuffin, it's all there. It's on the MacGuffin device, and I can't wait to get it out on vinyl. We're we're getting close to the to the goal, and um, 
yeah, it, if you go to wordburglar.com, there's a link right there. It goes to my Bandcamp page, uh, propsdepartment.bandcamp.com, uh, or just Google Word Burglar, the MacGuffin device, and you can you can find that. Um, I'm on Twitter at Word Burglar, uh, Instagram at The Word Burglar with an A. People spell it E-R sometimes. I don't fault them, but it's like the amount of times people have spelled <laughs> Word Burglar wrong. I've been the Wood Burglar, the Worm Burglar, Word Bugler, Word Bugler, Word Bugler, which is a real thing. I went to play a show one time and the promoter was showed me the poster. He was so excited. He's like, we posted all over the city. There's, look at this. Look at this. Look, you're playing. Oh, it's no. great. It's in the newspaper. Word Bugler. <laughs> and the people and like, showed well, up for the show and they're like, why doesn't this man have a bugle? This is we're leaving. <laughs> what a terrible disappointment. Bugle works. <laughs> How does that even happen? Um, so I got a bag of bugles. I don't know. Do you have that in Atlanta? Bugles a snack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When you're a kid, you put them on your fingers. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I had bugles at the show just for a laugh. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, we're a burglar. Uh, I appreciate it. I hope if. Uh, anyone loves vinyl and I hope you'll give it a spin. Um, I'm really, I'm really proud of this record and uh, I've got a brand new record of, of all new tracks coming out in May. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll chat about that in the future. Or, uh, you know, I've just, Dave, I got to thank you for having me on. Like this is, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, I could nerd out about needless things with you anytime, man. So thanks yeah, for having me. This is great. I'm, uh, I'm going to definitely check out some of your other videos and stuff. Yeah, we've we've got tons and tons and tons of content. Uh, most of it's pretty fun. We try to have a well, and that's what the 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 note that I want to leave on, and and the thing that uh, really struck me is as much as I love the pop culture stuff, as much as I love you know the your production, the samples, everything, the music itself, the general positivity of the music, I think is is the really the big takeaway here. We need that we need that badly and it, it's putting smiles on people's faces is very important. And I, I thank you for doing that. Thank you, man. I it's honestly, I love doing it and it's an honor, especially when, you know, I meet people like yourself and you enjoy and you get that from the music that honestly, that's, that means the world to me. So thank you. Appreciate that. Well, thanks for coming on and nerding out, man. And I will definitely look to have you back in the future. Maybe we'll do like a specific topic episode and get real deep on something. Yeah, I feel like we got a couple we could uh, we could dive into. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, man. So that episode happened really fast. Uh, I backed the MacGuffin Device LP a few days ago. When, whenever I first saw it, it came to my attention. Immediately got on and backed it uh, because I, I really I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, I do love word burglars music and i do really value listening to music on vinyl uh so i jumped on that and then uh he's one of those guys when he's doing a, a crowd backer type thing uh he, you get updates and communication and stuff like you you really do feel like to an extent you're part of the process and he sent out an email like oh it, by the way uh if you want to promote this if you got a podcast or whatever and i was like you know what i haven't done an interview in a long time uh, this is a good opportunity to talk to somebody who has blown my mind, quite frankly. Sent an email very shortly, got a response back, and that was, it was basically like, well, hey, 
I'm available tomorrow night. I said, let's do this. Let's make it happen. So uh, that is why this is a special bonus episode because, uh, one, I wanted to get it out as soon as possible to spread the word about the MacGuffin Device LP. Uh, But also just it was so cool how fast it happened and how friendly he was. And, I mean, you heard through that interview, uh, tremendous guy uh, that, that I think we should all be supporting positivity uh and also just the the fun of of pop culture that we all love so anyway that's why that happened and now uh i have his blessing to share a full track with you guys we talked about it a couple times throughout the show it's something near and dear to my heart uh i'm gonna play for you rental patient from the mcguffin device lp Uh, also you can find it you know wordburglar.com go check it all out but here it is the song we talked about a lot Rental patient. I love you guys. Are your kids renting a movie this weekend? Saturday afternoon matinees aren't what they used to be. To begin with, kids don't have to go to the movie theater. They can bring the movie home from the rental store. What you know about going out? To catch a movie at your own house. Waiting in line to watch something on your own couch. No doubt, you had to get up and get it. Or ask an adult if your pick was restricted. Get this, I know it's hard to believe it. But if a movie was rented, you just couldn't see it. None to download from your humble abode. You'd have to leave your home bungalow and run down the road. Hope the local shop had a copy in stock. Cause if not, gotta find something else to watch. And if you thought I was done with flipping your mind, they only let you have the flick for a limited time. And if you didn't rewind, you were the evilest dude. Worse than the term previously viewed Even though you paid, it was only yours to borrow Cause after all of that, you'd have to bring it back tomorrow Yo, take it from a rental patient You had to have rental patience Checking the shelves of every destination They might have a copy at the next location Yo, this is for the rental patient Selecting discs and cassettes for playing Popcorn sense through the ventilation Better get something good cause your friends are waiting Okay then, now in case you didn't know the lengths you had to go just to get a video was a ritual, a major event when you got your own card and were able to rent, swear everyone went, families to film buffs, stoners and punks who try to steal stuff, or just loiter and eat the free popcorn, sneak a peek behind the curtain they stock porn, and every visit was a hunt and a gamble, taking chances on new ones to sample, a lot of choices were only based on box art, so if you found a gem, you were a rock star, and few things could beat that relief smile of being first to the new release style but be dial cause if you don't want to find you better make sure you return it on time yo this is for the rental patients selecting discs and cassettes for playing popcorn sets through the ventilation better get something good cause your friends are with the top movies were dirty they all got around in and out of every last player in town wow i mean why you think each release came with fingerprint stains and some pizza grease seven day rentals for seven bucks kid test your luck cause what you picked you were stuck with why put up with this glad you asked cause buying back then cost a lot of cash it was the age of renters made more memorable cause we knew what we had was ephemeral a flicker on the screen a brief time and moment of taking something home knowing you didn't own it you don't appreciate the grace till you take a risk beta vhs dvd laser disc maybe this is just how they were meant to be seen on pieces of plastic you sticking machines yo take it from a rental patient you had to have rental patience checking the shelves of every destination they might have a copy at the next location yo this is for the rental patients selecting discs and cassettes for playing popcorn sense through the ventilation better get something good cause your friends are waiting you had to have rental patience for all the rental patients i used to see a video villa aka super video queen of morris 
video difference, critics choice, gigantic video, jumbo video, video flicks, video pics, MT video, video 99, Johnson's video in Scarborough where I saw the G.I. Joe cartoon movie and they had the Super Famicom games and the Famicom games with the converters, that was crazy, blockbuster you can't forget about, Hollywood video 99, Queen video, video free Brooklyn, whatever video in every city yo, this is for every rental patient out there, uh. Can children rent these cassettes, any cassettes from these rental any places? Cassettes from these rental any cassettes from these rental places? Cassettes from these rental places? Cassettes from these rental places? From these rental you have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.